listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years' experience with classic, vintage, sport, and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc., 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, a.m. 1340. Hi, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. If you'd like to play golf, Magnolia Valley Golf Club is offering some specials this week. Give them a call up there at 727-847-2342. They have a 9-hole executive course, and they have an 18-hole par 72. And they've got great food on the 19th hole. So call my friend Pete at 727-847-2342. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars Wednesdays at 7 p.m. It's not just me, it is now official. The Volt is a dolt. You hearing me, all you bloggers? It stinks! The car you have to plug in ain't exactly selling out. Not even close. Get this, for all of last month, 1,139 cars. That is 1,139 cars. Compare that to Toyota, which sold more than 23,000 Camrys in the same month. 1,139 to 23,000. And now news from GM that the Volt could be in for yet another jolt. The company CEO promising today to buy back Volts from customers worried about reported battery fires to a disgusted former GM bondholder, Mark Modica. Uh, Mark, what do you make of this? Well, I've moved on from being a disgusted bondholder to being a disgusted taxpayer because it's it's a taxpayer that's getting hosed. I mean, the vault, the, the demand really isn't there. Um, they've tried to play this off that the, this was a supply issue, but uh, we now have over 4,000 volts in inventory at dealerships, and uh, the common guy isn't buying a car that's over $40,000 for what it's offered. It's a few wealthy people out there that are buying them, and besides the billions of dollars spent uh, from taxpayers to produce the car and the batteries, these uh, wealthy uh, buyers are getting $7,500 each for buying the cars. And the thank you for that is they're getting blown up. Um, I'm kidding. They're not getting blown up. But, but, but I, I just got to At what point does GM realize, all right, the, 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 this plug-in ain't cutting it? I've been wondering that for quite some time. I guess it depends when uh, auto journalists and maybe some congressional members say, what are we doing? No, they love it. You know, Mark, you and I talk about this, but they love it. It's like you just don't give up on that love. You know, you just don't give up on it. And uh, they're just not going to give up. I don't know why. I don't know why, really. All right. Now, you know, the, 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 the proof the is move, there. The, right. But uh, is the plug-in thing what's, what's the, uh, the problem? Or are there other plug-ins that are doing better? The Leaf, the Nissan Leaf, that's a plug-in, right? Isn't that doing okay? No, you just the technology isn't there yet to yeah. offer these vehicles in a free market where a company can make profit offering them. General Motors Company will halt production of its plug-in Chevrolet Volt for five weeks, starting March 19th, idling its Detroit. Hemtramic assembly plant until April 23rd. 
The Detroit automaker said Friday the second extended shutdown of the plant this year was to address the company's large supply of vehicles. We want to maintain the proper inventory levels, said GM spokesman Chris Lee. Okay, we are live, and you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We're going to have some fun tonight. Anyway, hey, I'm your host, Robert. I've got uh, Cedric on the, uh, hey, on the hey, keyboards hey. tonight. Right here, on the, <laughs> right here on the keyboards? On the keyboards, yeah. We've got a pretty cool show tonight. We've got a real interesting guest tonight. Yeah, we're poking fun at the uh, GM Volt and the whole uh, world of electric cars. And uh, the gentleman that i got coming on a little bit later actually builds electric cars but he doesn't just build your average he what he does is he modifies it. he takes existing cars incorporates electric motors and a battery pack and basically you can have any car anytime any place anywhere with only the limitations of the battery pack basically so that's kind of cool anyway we're trying to get him on the line right now because we really want to have this is a long subject so and it's a real interesting subject and it is kind of something that we all kind of have a little bit interest in and this guy right here that i met uh here a while back is actually in florida what he's doing is he's taking porsches of course all you guys know that i'm kind of into porsches a little bit takes the 911 motor out of them and basically puts this electric motor in them and then modifies everything so that you can actually without ruining the car actually sets it up so that you can actually take the original motor or the electric motor back out put the original motor back in and the only thing he does is where the gas tank is in the front of a porsche because they're rear engine cars uh, he takes the gas tanks out and basically incorporates the battery pack in there so uh, a couple of things are achieved one you've got electric car that you can go you know up to uh, depending on the battery pack the range could be 100 miles to 150 miles and then you've got to recharge them obviously but the other thing is is they they accelerate fairly quick and they have a 50-50 weight distribution for those of us that are kind of racing fans. He's also involved in an organization that is hugely responsible for electric car drag racing. Now, again, I'm a little, you know, I'm not real receptive to the electric motor thing because I'm all about gears and tires and noise and gas and fumes and all the other good stuff. But I, I can see the potential there, you know. And since fuel is kind of uh, a huge issue right now and the availability of fuel, not necessarily that there isn't any. It's just that between the government and the oil companies and all the politics, there could be a potential shortage, okay? Just an excuse to raise the fuel costs, you know, the usual political nonsense that's going on all the time. At any rate, I had the opportunity here a while back to drive one of the Teslas, okay? And basically what they did is they took a uh, Lotus, reconfigured the car, and they modified some of the body panels. There's actually been a t- couple different versions of the Lotus, the, the little s- small car that they have, and they modified the bodywork on a little bit so it doesn't quite look like a Lotus, but it kind of resembles one. Um, but they had to alter the back of the car a little bit so they could put this huge battery pack in the back. And um, so I, w- I wasn't real receptive initially. And then what happened was is a couple of my friends went and test drove the car. And they said, Robert, you really got to go drive this car. You know, try to be open-minded about this. And I said, all right, I will subject myself to electric motor torture. So anyway, I got in the car. And the first thing I did is I turned the key. And, and I didn't hear anything. So I was, like, dumbfounded. And I'm thinking, hey, uh uh, there's no noise. I mean, is it running? He says, yeah. And of course, everything was lit up, but that still didn't really tell me that the engine was running. He says, put it in gear, give it a little bit of gas. So I did. I put it in gear and I gave it a little bit of gas and all of a sudden things started moving. It was a really, really weird deal. Anybody that driven a golf cart, you can relate to it. So it's very much the same thing as a golf cart, except with a whole bunch more power. You know, the engine, the electric motors, depending on the torque that these uh, motors have, or excuse me, 
I'm going to let him explain it to you. But anyway, it has to do with torque. My weakness is electrical. I will tell you guys that. Uh, I know a lot about cars, but when it comes to electrical, um, if it weren't for some of my friends like Alan, I would be absolutely sitting there with a maze of spaghetti. But so, but it is quite fundamental. But nonetheless, so I, we, we, we get in the car. We drive out of the parking lot. And uh, I get on uh, the Tech Drive, which is down by the DuPont Registry, which this happened to be one of the uh, DuPont uh, coughing cars on a Saturday morning. It was kind of weird. I mean, this thing just kind of accelerated. Now, you have a completely different sensation when you're sitting in a golf cart because a golf cart doesn't have torque to the extent that this motor does. But the other thing is, is that a golf cart's open. So here you are. You're sitting in this enclosed car, you know, kind of little capsule. And, uh, and it's kind of cozy in there, you know. That's a small car, a small sports car. And uh, so then we ease on out on 34th Street, which is down there by where the old down by the St. Pete Airport. And then the light turns green. And we go out on Almerton. He says, "Go ahead and leg it." So I legged it, and I was amazed that it just went whoosh. But there was no sound. I mean, it's just totally deceiving. It really kind of confused me there for a second. So then we came up to the next traffic light, and he says, "Here's what I want you to do. I want you to floor it off the line." I said. All right. And, of course, now keep in mind, this is a little Lotus, and it's a little target top, and it's open somewhat, you know, and we're very low to the ground. So, you know, you got the, your regular trucks, your SUVs, your regular cars, and you sit really low, plus there's no noise. So without the noise, you somehow don't have a reference, you know. I mean, at least with noise in the car, you know, the engine, you kind of have an idea of, of, you know, when you're accelerating or when you're just sitting there or something. You know, am I making any kind of sense here, Cedric? Hey, I don't know anything about electric cars. Okay, either. well, it's really, it was really amazing. I was quite impressed. Um, so anyway, so I floored it, and it just went, and I, he says, keep your foot in it. Don't lift. And I said, all right. You know, I mean, it didn't break the tires loose. It just simply accelerated. And I thought, wow, how cool is this? So, you know, here we are. We're just, oh, we probably went maybe a little quarter-mile stretch. And I would have to say that that thing had a 0 to 60 time of somewhere between 7, 8 seconds. I mean, it was relatively quick for a small little car. So uh, then, of course, we went around the corner, and we turned around, and we came back. So then afterwards, we just kind of stood around, and we stared at the car, and he was giving me kind of the rundown. Now, the gentleman that uh, I spent this time with uh, works for Tesla, and Tesla is based out of, I believe, California. And like I said, the the Lotus that I rode and I drove in, uh, I think, was the third version of it. So it's gone through uh, a short evolution process over a couple of years. And uh, this is the one that's now available on the market. That's the improved version. Um, they're also working on a four-door sedan that is in similar size to, let's say, the Ford Taurus or the Chevrolet Impala or the 5 Series BMW. But it's a little bit of a pricey car. This car is also being made in the United States of America. Okay, uh, There's another car company out there called, I think it's Fisker. Okay, And Fisker basically builds... A hybrid car, I believe. I don't think they're totally 100% electric. I don't know much about them, but I will do a little research and I'll find out. And we may have one of the representatives representatives from Fisker coming on the air as well. And, of course, the gentleman from Tesla has also volunteered his time to come on the radio show. But anyway, getting back to the guy that I got on tonight, um, this should be an interesting show because this company is local. And he's taken it to a different level. As a matter of fact, he's been doing this for 11 years. So he's fairly well-seasoned. Um, at converting conventional cars over to electric motors. Now, the biggest drawback with the uh, electric car industry in general is the fact that, keep in mind, these cars have been around for over 100 years. I mean, electric cars were around at the turn of the century or shortly before that. I am told, and somewhere I read this, that supposedly the first auto race was won by an electric car. I don't know that for a fact, but that's what I read, and you always have to question what you read. But 
Uh, that's what it said. And, of course, they had steam engines. They have We've had diesels. We've had uh, different type of uh, power plants in cars turn of the century. The electric car makes does make a lot of sense. The drawback is, however, is that in 100 years, you would think that they would have developed the battery, you know, and that's the weak link in the car. You know, when our guest comes on this evening, he can explain this to you. Oh, by the way, if you want to run to your computers real quick and Google Tantalk1340.com, we are live on the computer. You can see me in the studio. And also for your friends that are outside of the uh, normal range of radio frequencies, you can still catch our show. You are tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and we are live. I am your host, Robert, and we're talking about electric cars tonight and something a little bit different. So hopefully Cedric can be able to get our guest on the line. We'll get him on here. In the meantime, let's go ahead and roll that first uh, song. All right. Something a little bit different this tonight. Is a little bit different, but a nice, nice little, yeah, nice this, little song. Very in case you, most people will recognize the song, and if you saw the movie, what was the movie? It was new? Uh, from dawn or from dusk till dawn. Dusk till dawn. It was. I, uh, it was I, I've only seen it recently, but it's a uh, it's a creepy vamp, vampire movie yeah. where they get stuck in Mexico and they get ambushed by. You know, they end up getting stuck in a, in a town that's nothing but vampires. Yeah, it's a weird Tarantino flick. Yeah, as usual. But anyway, but the, but the th- this is the theme song in it. I think yeah, that's it. And, that's uh, a, yeah, it. Actually, it's uh, it's the theme song, and in one particular scene, they walk into the bar, and the, the song's playing, and the guys are on stage playing it. Yeah, that's a cool song though. Yeah, here it is. What 
Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. Oh, wow, I didn't realize. All right, we're back, and you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your host, Robert. Hey, let me give you, let me get you that, 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 that one. You know what? I've been tripping and stumbling over myself all day long here, so. Oh, you're, Eddie, you're your own worst critic. I'm my own worst critic. Yeah, well, anyway, all right, here's what's going on this weekend. We have Amelia Island is going on this weekend. As a matter of fact, it starts tomorrow. Actually, the cars are loading up there tomorrow, but uh, the actual event starts Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So if anybody can make it up to Amelia Island this weekend, they've got the Gooding Auction, which is uh, Friday night, the RM Auction, which is Saturday night, the Big Gala, and all the other good stuff, and then, of course, Sunday is the huge concourse, is the huge um, you know venue out on the lawn up there at the Ritz-Carlton in Amelia Island, and it's definitely worth the trip. You will see some absolutely amazing cars. I mean, you'll see turn-of-the-century cars, pre-war classics. You're going to see prototypes. You're going to see uh, autorama cars. You're going to see sports cars. You're going to see racing cars, just a lot of history, and most importantly, the personalities of the people that are there. You'll get to meet some really, really, really cool people. Okay, and then of course the following week after that, the fifteenth through the eighteenth is the sixtieth running of Sebring, the twelve hours of Sebring. That's a great uh, event that's coming on, and it will uh, also have the vintage race will be I think Friday, the day before, as well as testing and tuning for the big cars. And then of course on the twenty third and twenty fifth we have the St. Pete Grand Prix. Don't forget that that's going to be that's another three day event. Okay, again a really really cool venue, the sports cars and the indie cars, and an amazing array of celebrities and stuff. And then of course at the end of the month at downtown St. Pete at Straub Park is Festivals of Speed. So again a really cool car show, a really cool venue. Uh, check it out. Go to the website and uh, check out Festivals of Speed. Let's see. What else we got going on? Okay. Hey, uh, I think we got our guest just about ready to come on, sir. So let's go run the other commercial. Let's get our guest on because I really want to talk about this electric car stuff because I really need to be educated in that field a little bit because I'm one of those kind of guys that's uh, not real receptive to the electric car, but maybe it's because I really don't know much about it. 
And so, you know, that's like anything else. If you don't know much about something, you kind of be a little bit open-minded or think just a little outside of the box, as they say. Sounds good. Okay. All right. We're going to roll these commercials. We'll be back. Hey, listeners. This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great pizza shop right here in downtown Clearwater. Bro's Pizzeria, voted number one in the city of Clearwater. They're located at 547 South Fort Harrison Avenue. They have great New York-style pizza, as well as delicious lasagna, spaghetti and meatballs, manicotti, linguine. And if you're in the neighborhood for lunch, they have great hot and cold sandwiches and appetizers. So call 727-441-6025 for takeout and deliveries. Or stop by for a veal parmesan dinner and a night. That's Bro's Pizzeria. Check out their website and watch my friend Olti create a spectacular pizza before your very eyes. What would you like on your pizza? Call Bro's Pizzeria, 727-441-6025. That's 727-441-6025. And tell them Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. As most of you know, I'm in the car business, and often I need cars towed. Well, Kotaka's Towing has all the trucks and equipment to meet your needs. Whether it's long distance, short distance, or just around the corner, they can get it done. Kotaka's Towing, located at 1141 Court Street in Clearwater. Also, they have a full-service repair and body shop to meet all your automotive needs. So give my friends Lefty and Joey a call at Kotaka's Towing at 727-447-1952. And be sure to mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you might get a discount. Chevy Volt fresh off the line, even though Secret Service wouldn't let me drive it. But I like sitting in it. It was nice. I'll bet it drives real good. And five years from now, when I'm not president anymore, I'll buy one and drive it myself. Not a chance, buddy. You're out of here at the end of the year. Oh, by the way, Government Motors just suspended production of the Volt. Can't imagine why. They're not selling. They got production issues. Oh, well, I guess it's back to the green drawing board. More waste of taxpayer dollars. Leave it to the government. 
Okay. No, forget the government. Leave it to me. Hey, it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening while we're on the subject of uh, electric cars. Now, like I said, I've been picking on electric cars. A lot of people have been picking on electric cars. The media has been picking on electric cars. But I have a special guest tonight that's going to basically set us straight as far as electric cars and the potential of electric cars. This gentleman has been building these things for about 11 years. Okay, He's got a company, I believe, in Miami area, West Palm Beach area. And uh, the name of his company, and you can Google it, okay, it's on the web, it's on the internet, it's called World Auto Exotic, if I pronounce it right. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show this evening, Paul Vaughn. Paul, are you there? I'm here. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. So, uh, bring us up to speed. Let's just say I'm one of the typical naysayers, and I don't know much about uh, electric motors. What would be your biggest selling point um, about electric motors? And then we'll get into detail a little bit about some of the specialty cars that you build. Sure. Electric motor has got a real long lifespan to it, and uh, it's very simple. Uh, it doesn't really require much maintenance other than a brush replacement, which could be 10 or 20 years lifespan between a 15-minute maintenance. So that's one of the main advantages, uh, the simplicity of the whole thing compared to an internal combustion engine and how, as a tool, you can make it work with uh um, putting together a package that uh, works with your driving style. So now, for example, now we were talking about driving styles, and I was talking a little earlier about the Tesla and some of the other cars, and um, and I was kind of trying to explain a little bit about the how it works and what you do, because you basically take Porsches, because you're a Porsche fan, Porsche enthusiast like myself, and you've somehow incorporated these electric motors and battery packs, so basically the car looks like a stock conventional Porsche, but yet it's got its total electric power, correct? That's correct. Uh, basically, any any style of the 911 um, and 356 we specialize in from 65 of the 911 up till current day. And we built a, uh, a lot of them over the years, including some of the uh, milestone cars like the first hybrid 911 and the first lithium uh, Porsche electric vehicle and the first 997, things like that. But... Uh, uh, we just think they're great platforms to build on, and they work real well. And uh, depending on what your needs are, you can uh, uh, have a battery pack that can give you lightweight and performance that far exceeds what the original car was. So now the we're talking about you're talking about building a car to kind of suffice my needs. So let's just say I'm a really performance-oriented guy. So that means I can get a little bit more powerful motor with an extra heavy-duty set of batteries. That gives me performance. But if I'm a little bit more on the conservative side, I can have a little bit less power in the motor and then smaller battery packs. Is, do, am I kind of explaining it correctly? or it, it kind of can work that way, but the beauty is, is if you want to have the, the big horsepower uh, you'll end up being the same efficiency and going the same distance if you apply the same amount of current to a big motor and a big potential horsepower setup or a small one. So it's kind of like having the best of both worlds that way. Okay. Now, what all is involved in converting these cars? And we'll use the Porsche as an example because that's the one that you're, you, you do mostly. Well, we take all of the gas-related items out. And uh, the motor, the gas tank, or excuse me, I should say the engine, the uh, exhaust system, the, basically everything related to that ICE engine comes out. And then we have a, uh, a package of powder-coated parts that fit in correctly and uh, 
we've used for years. Uh, we build our own uh, cushion drive coupler to connect our transaxle to the uh, electric motor through an adapter plate that we make. Uh, and then we uh, pick a set of batteries that uh, you know, the client would find use for his normal daily driving and, uh, and pick a motor or series of motors. We do one and two and three motor setups, uh, depending on what kind of power you want to get. Uh, and then, and then from there, it's, it's basically how you drive it will be how, uh, how far you go and, and, uh, your performance capabilities. So what, are the, what would be the average range, you know, just to kind of put it in perspective? You know, in other words, let's say I get in my car in the morning and, and I, I'm all juiced up and everything like that and I'm ready to go. How long can I drive on, let's say, the basic configuration that you sell? The, the basic configuration is approximately 50 miles. And just like with, an, uh, with a Porsche that's gas, uh, you could get on it and drive pretty hard and maybe get... Uh, with a, a two-liter engine, you can get like 35 miles to the gallon. But uh, if you're getting on it, you can also get six miles to the gallon. So electricals and any vehicle that really can put out a lot of power has a capability of using that energy up faster. So a 50-mile range would be kind of drive, a um, little bit of highway driving, some some maybe not highway driving, and just uh, you know, not really ripping on it too hard. So, uh, luckily, usually we don't all have to use what's available there, and we can get on it because we know that we've got enough to go here and there, and 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 extra, so we can get on it harder if we want to, and and not worry about the range. Now, what do I do about a charging system for this car? Do I have to? Is this something I, that's portable I can take with me, or is this something that's built into the car, or is this uh, something that has to be stationary at the house? We build them all into the car since that's where you'd want to have it. Okay. And uh, and then uh, at your house, you just have a two twenty plug in for a fast charge, or some of the chargers have one ten or two twenty variable input voltage, so you could do either or. If you're at a friend's house and you just want to plug into the regular wall socket, you could do that also. Okay, so it's self-contained then for that, for as far as the charging system, recharging. Right. Okay. But another uh, another idea that people can do is uh, make a solar carport and uh, take that energy and charge that into a pack of static batteries and sit there all day. And when you come in, rather than using a charger, you can connect the pack to the pack in the car move uh, like 250 amps across from one pack to the other and get essentially around a 15-minute charge without using a charger and not hurting either of, of the battery packs by doing it that way. And uh, also, you can use a charger to charge that pack, or with the solar, it's kind of cool to be able to harness your own energy also for the car. Interesting. Now, getting back to the car, the motors, just so I understand, because I really, again, I'm electric has always been one my weak link as far as cars. But now the motors, okay, we were talking earlier about torque. And now is that amperage-related, voltage-related? I mean, just kind of give me just some basic uh, electric motor 101 here. All right. The, uh, the voltage is basically in correlation with the RPM. Okay. So 
um, by doing showing a high voltage, and we usually do something around uh, 144 to 320 volts or so as a as a normal system, and the the doubling of the voltage will double your RPM capabilities. So uh, for performance, it's it's about volts and amps because amps is kind of uh, correlates to your torque. Okay, and that's your acceleration and and uh, um, so basically they work together and they need to. Uh, you you want to have you know both if you're building a performance system and. Uh, Depending on what you're doing, we kind of figure out or or gauge a a system to what somebody's needs are performance-wise and what their top speeds needs are, what their 0 to 60 capabilities, what they want out of that. Okay. And we were talking earlier, too, and and I was referring to the Tesla, you know, by comparison. When I drove the Tesla, I just put it in basically drive or one gear and... Uh, it was like in and out, I guess, is the way it works. Now, your car, you actually leave the transaxles, the complete five-speed transaxles, still in the Porsche, and you have, you said you developed some sort of a coupler or something like that, but you can either start, you said start the car like in third or fourth and just leave it there, right? That's correct. It's, uh, I think rather than a one-speed, a high and low for an electric car really works well. Just to have two gears is actually enough. But, uh, um Depending on the system, the ones that we have that put out around 280 horsepower, those you'd start out in third or fourth gear, depending on if you want to rip off the line, you'd be in third. If you want to go off the line and probably do a six or seven second zero to 60, then you just take off in fourth, you know, kind of taking it easy. Um, But once it hits 30 or 40 in fourth, you've got a lot of power turning, and it gets the sweet spot for, uh, for fourth gear. And uh, generally, you don't need to use fifth unless you're really going to go real high speed. But um, one of the things you can do when you're watching to see for looking at your range is looking at uh, what your amp draw or your kilowatt draw is when you're at a certain speed in, say, fourth gear. And then hold that speed, go to fifth gear, and see where you're at. And you'll know where your efficiency curve is and how much amperage you're using and you know what gear you should be in to get the longest range in that gear. Now, let me just, I'm thinking out loud here. So, in other words, depending on the gears, um, and let's say it basically changes the ratio, Would does the same theory apply, for example, like in a gasoline engine, like the lower the gear, uh, or in other words, the lower RPM, the less consumption, the less fuel I'm consuming, would it be fair to say that the lower the gear, in other words, they keep the, the, the motor spinning at a lower RPM, that it would use a less less electricity? Am I making any sense there? Does that well, apply? it's kind of like an uh, engine in the fact that they do have a sweet spot. Okay. And the sweet spot's usually somewhere around 4,500 RPM. So depending on your speed, what I've found is usually around 30 miles an hour, uh, to 40 miles an hour, you'd switch into uh, uh, fourth gear if you're starting in third for maximum efficiency. And then uh, you wouldn't really need fifth gear or the newer Porsches with six gears until you're really churning a lot of uh, speed because the electric motor likes to wind up a little higher and its efficiency curve is higher than an internal combustion engine. And so it, it actually likes uh, likes to, to wind and... And you'll see that in, in your amp draw between the two speeds. So 
probably around 70 or 80 miles an hour, you would shift into fifth rather than in a normal car, you'd shift maybe at 45 or something. Okay, so now and, and walk us through how I would shift. In other words, let's say I've got my third pedal's there, my clutch pedal's there, and my transmission's there, but what do I do? Do I just lift off the accelerator, and then how does the clutch setup kind of work there? Yeah, it's a uh, just a direct coupling, and anytime you let off the throttle, you know you can turn an electric motor with your hand if you don't have a, if you're not applying current to it. So basically, anytime you let off the throttle, it's essentially in neutral. Uh, okay. And so anytime you're in neutral, you can shift. And uh, but basically, what uh, what we do is get rid of the clutch pedal and then get rid of the clutch and then. Okay. Uh, you just uh, say you take it up to 30 or 40, let off the throttle, shift into gear about that about that fast. Not really a power shift, but just a smooth shift, and uh, and then get back on the throttle again. So there's and no 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 gear grinding there at all. No gear grinding, and it's uh, you know when you let off, it's a total coast. So okay, a different kind of uh, of a ride. So the engine's freewheeling at that point in time, or the motor's freewheeling at that point in time. Yeah. So what you can do is, uh, like, I've got a, a system that's uh, pretty peppy and gets up to, uh, say, 60 miles an hour in uh, somewhere under five seconds, and then uh, you can let off the throttle and and go uh, maybe half mile or so before you're down to, like, 55, and then just kind of touch the throttle a little, and you're right back at 60 and, and, and do a, a kind of pulsing glide, they call it. Okay. So uh, you're, you're just kind of efficiently staying up at speed. I gotcha. Now, we are talking, or I was talking earlier about the battery. In, in the 100 years that electric motors have been around, one of the, the weak link in the, with the electric motor car concept has been the batteries, because the battery technology has not kept up with, with, with all the rest of the technology in the peripherals. So tell us a little bit about, you said there was three styles of batteries that you can use. You got the, the lead-acid batteries, which we're most familiar with. Then there's a lithium-ion battery, and then there's a lithium-iron phosphate battery. Do I have that correct? That's correct. Okay, so and, you, tell us the differences. Okay. The, the lead acid is, uh, you know, a, a good just uh, works type of battery that's a bit heavy. And, uh, you know, it's a tool that works, but it's not the top of the line. It's very inexpensive comparatively, so uh, it kind of opens more doors for some people that, you know, for, for us that can't afford the lithium uh, or a big pack of lithium. But uh, with with the uh, uh, the lead acid, you've got a sealed lead type and then absorbed glass mat type, and uh, either of those are are decent batteries and and can work for years. And you only would use maybe sixteen to twenty four of them or so, which makes for a real simple system. Um, with the, uh, the the lithium iron phosphate, or generally what's used in electric vehicles, and they're uh, kind of top of the line. Actually, the technology is pretty good, but the the uh, the cost is is still pretty high. So in the 11 years I've been doing this, when they started there, when we started, there about $32,000 for about 30 kilowatt hour, which is in a 911 enough to take you about 100 miles or so, and uh, and now it's down to about 12,000 for that same 30 kilowatt hour pack. 
so they are going down, and they'll probably continue to keep going down. And they they work pretty well. They're lightweight. They're half the weight of lithium, or excuse me, of lead acid, and to have twice the uh, range also. And uh, we've done a lot of cars with lithium packs, uh, the Porsche Cayenne, and uh, the uh, a lot of different 911 series of different vehicles that have worked out real well and been able to keep the weight of the vehicle real similar to its original weight and have a real good size pack in it. But with any of, of the battery packs, you can kind of uh, tailor what you need, and you may not need so much voltage, and, and you may need a pack that goes 80 miles rather than 100. And just that little fact can save you three or $4,000. So uh, you, know, you can kind of pick what you need and, and go from there with the batteries. Okay, now what about the lithium-ion battery? That's what the, I believe you, we were talking, I think that's what the Tesla used. Tell us about that real quick and the drawbacks, the downside. Yeah, the, the lithium-ion batteries are just not as stable, and they uh, can, te- can catch a, a fire that's pretty nasty. Um, they're uh, uh, not really uh, used as much in the electric vehicles just for that fact. And... Uh, but with the Tesla's pack, they chose to use a whole lot of batteries. I think it's somewhere around 8,000 cells. And to me, that just seems like, a, a, you know, Murphy's Law is going to come and get you with when you have 8,000 cells compared to 16. Or uh-huh. with our lithium bigger cells, we'll use 96 cells, which is still not that bad compared to 8,000. Okay. Now, what's the... What's the conversion cost to do this, and then how do you rationalize it? Because I know it's not cheap, so kind of bring us up to speed there a little bit. Yeah. Um, for people who drive, you know, just average amount, it can pay itself off in a pretty decent uh, short time. Um, I, I've been, you know, for about 11 years not buying hardly any gas at all and saved maybe about $65,000. And um, we've got uh, conversions that are in the, in the uh, low $20,000 mark, so, you know, it can be paid off in a few years, um, you know, maybe three to five years or so is kind of an average number. Um, the fact that there's not really much maintenance involved in the system, it's uh, also a benefit to what you'd spend on on the vehicle at that time. The uh, You were also telling me, too, that um, the... I mean, as as this thing evolves now, um, the one of the things that you do with your cars are you can when you convert the car, you can actually reassemble the car. So basically, what you do when somebody either was it do they bring you the car and you can convert it, or they can buy a complete package from you? Is that how it works, or either or? Yeah, either or. Okay. And, uh, and then you basically yeah, so, modified the cars so that they're if they wanted to put the gasoline engine and driveline basically in other words retrofit it back to the way the way the car was originally they can easily do that correct yeah we we set those up especially on the early model porsches that uh, the values on them are getting real strong and it may be at some days somebody would want to put the original back in just for for that uh, reason but um we don't weld to the chassis if we can uh uh, bolt to the chassis and make it so it can all be removed at another time. And and uh, sometimes uh engine can make a nice coffee table or a conversation piece when it's all restored and, and uh, you know, not, not used for propulsion, but just used as a piece of art. 
Okay, so in other words, if I if I bring in my 911, what you do, you've converted my car with an electric motor, and now you basically have taken my original 911 or 356 engine, completely redone the engine, so now I basically have it sitting in a crate, or I have it on a little roly-froly, and so what you're suggesting is I put a nice little glass top on it, bring it in my living room, my den, or my man cave, and I basically sit there and have all my buds hanging around. We can talk about my motor, right? Is that the way that works? Exactly. That's cool. That's cool. Now, tell me, you were tell me also that you're involved with... Uh, Drag racing these electric motors. Tell us a little bit about that because I got a lot of race fans that listen to this radio show. Cool. Well, uh, we've uh, been doing the drag racing thing for a little bit, and uh, I'm the southeast director of the East Coast Electric Drag Race Series, which is uh, a, a recognized series. And uh, we have races in Florida and in Connecticut and uh, sometimes in D.C. And uh, basically, uh, with systems that we've developed up to 1,800 horsepower, can really make a car scoot down the track pretty fast or a uh, drag bike or, uh, you know, whatever type of vehicle you want to drag race. But we pretty much do Porsches. And uh, got a, a, a 993 Porsche that has a two-motor setup, each motor and controller, each 280 horsepower. So it's... 560 horsepower that is on tap and and uh so it makes for a pretty strong car and uh and a solid car too now what kind of times are you turning with these cars well we're finishing our developing we just got some of the last equipment in for the balancing and balancing in the batteries is really important for getting every every amp out possible and uh Basically, uh, the uh, um, the 11s and uh, down into the 10s now with the uh, um, with one of the systems that we're running, um, the drag bike record is down into the sevens now, and so we're going to be going after that record next. Okay, now you converted a uh, a Ducati, right? That's one of the bikes you were working on yourself. Yeah. And, and that's electric powered. Yeah, it's a Ducati 999, and it's original frame and all, and and it has a lithium iron phosphate pack in it uh, with a nine inch car motor in it, and uh, I can use the car motor for drag racing and straight line. And uh, it's so wide though, when you get in the turns, it's a big it's a big motor, so it's not really for road racing. And uh, for road racing, I have a thinner motor that uh, retrofits and bolts in the same place, and and it has a perfect balance and doesn't get in the way when you're in the turns. Okay. Now, what kind of I mean, what kind of duration? I mean, how long does it? How many passes can I make? Uh, let's say with the nine nine three with the nine eleven there, um, can I run before I uh, have to recharge it? Um, well, you will use more energy, obviously, because you're pushing everything you can out for a quarter mile, but. Uh, you can usually run about six or eight passes and still, you know, stay pretty close. And then uh, in between the passes, there's generally that time when you're waiting on everybody, and and uh, you can just kind of top off your juice each time is how we like to do it. How long does it take to charge? In other words, are you saying that there's like a fast charger that you incorporate into the car, or they just it's just one charger fits all, and then it and it and it does it on a fairly quick basis? Um, well, they're all all types of chargers, but in the race cars, we do use fast or quick charge systems that 
uh, can do a, a pack in maybe about 20 minutes or so. But uh, generally, you won't use that much energy running down the quarter, so uh, you can top that back off in maybe uh, 10 minutes from the time you're waiting back in line. Okay, when you're talking substantial horsepower or t- motor torque, okay, um, do the engine, do the do the tires burn? I mean, do you break loose the tires, or does it just basically squat and go? Well, um, I've got a line lock on the 993, so, you know, we get the tires heated up first before you go. But uh, with the Porsches, they're, you know, they're not really crazy wheel spinners uh, anyway. They do squat and usually get a pretty good launch with them, so it's not really necessary to run a line lock. But, you know, you do what you can. Okay. Now, are you running slicks or just street tires, treaded tires? I'm running street tires right okay. now, but... We'll probably do some some slicks also. Okay, how about on the motorcycle, on the Ducati? When you launch that thing, does it uh, break the tires loose, or does it just kind of squat and just bite and go? You can break the tires loose and and first, uh, you know, when you stand up and and you apply the power without sitting on the seat, the wheel starts spinning pretty good, and, and then you, you know, get a nice hot launch. Okay. Now, what in the foreseeable future? I mean, you know, right now the, you're talking about you know 50 miles, 100 mile range. I mean, does that make a lot of economic sense overall? And then, having said that, you guys are doing buses too. I understand because somewhere on your web, website, I was seeing that you were doing buses and commercial vehicles. Does it make a lot of sense for those guys to pay the conversion? And then, well, I imagine it would because they drive a lot, right? It, it does. Uh, larger the vehicle is, a lot of times the faster the the return on investment will be. Okay. And uh, uh, so we've done boats and uh, yachts and large vehicles and trucks and things like that. Uh, you know, they sometimes can burn through a whole lot of fuel, and so uh, they really can make a good financial sense. Wow, that's cool. Now, you mentioned boats, so that's marine applications. How do the motors hold up in uh, in marine applications, specifically saltwater? Does that have an effect on electric motors? Um, what happens is you've got a, a, a brush that's rubbing on a calm bar, and, or I shouldn't say it's rubbing because it doesn't actually touch the calm bar. It rides on a bead of plasma there. So uh, water, salt, sand, pretty much anything, you know, just turns in, it just gets melted by plasma. So uh, generally you don't have all the issues with, uh, with the salt. Uh, the rest of the electric motor is, is sealed in a resin, all the windings and all. So you've got sealed bearings. We haven't really had much problem with that, but it can still be kept in a, uh, uh, you know, away from the elements as much as possible uh, in a marine application. And the systems can be much smaller in the motor area. And uh, with the marine, though, you you pretty much go with the hybrid system to, you know, have that backup so you don't run out of juice somewhere. Okay. Uh, we got a couple minutes left, or a little bit less than two minutes. The motors are they? Where are they? Where are the majority of the motors made that you use in your applications? Are they domestic? Are they import? Yeah, most of the motors that we use are made here in the U.S. and uh, uh, they're warp motors, and they're made with. Uh, uh, you can get them in high torque or in high horsepower, and in different sizes and different RPMs. Uh, but we also. Uh, get motors from India, from China, from Japan, depending on the application. 
China has good in-wheel hub motor pricing and, and efficient motors in that sense, and India has good uh, uh, regen and, and uh, uh, different types of motors that have real good efficiency rather than a brush DC motor like a uh, magnetic motor. But uh, they, they come from all over, but mostly we use the U.S. models. Okay. And then one more quick question, because I think we're almost out of time, Ben. But, uh, Paul, is how much the motor that you put in the uh, 911, how much does that motor actually physically weigh? Uh, we have two that we generally use. One of them is 159 pounds, and the other one's 219 pounds. Wow. That's amazing. That's incredible. All right. Well, we've got about a minute left. Paul, uh, I'll tell you what. I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. I know it was kind of short notice and everything like that. My guest this evening was Paul Vaughn with World Auto Exotic. Paul, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about your website, pitch your company real quick. you got a couple, uh, about 20 seconds left. Sure. WorldAutoExotics.com is one of the sites where our electric site is actually called AllElectricSuperstore.com. AllElectricSuperstore.com, and that has uh, a lot of the different things from motorcycles, trucks, cars, boats, snowmobiles, and all types of vehicles that we do on there. Okay, super. All right, Paul, I want to say thanks uh, this evening. Paul Vaughn with World Auto Exotic. Thanks for coming in. We'll be in touch. So tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars next week. And everybody else, stay safe, drive carefully, love your family, and we'll catch you next week. And it's off to Amelia Island Saturday and Sunday.